This episode of Friendless is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. My sweet babies, welcome back once again to Friendless, the show about me, your host, James Avermenko, and my Sisyphean attempt to rid myself of every friend I've ever made on Facebook, one interview at a time. This week, I have another guest from the way, way back times of early 2000s Calgary High School, Kelsey Ledbury. Kelsey is a former stage manager and current antagonist on my Instagram feed, where she posts about her life on Vancouver Island, like I dream of being able to do. We talk about reevaluating dreams, when the show shouldn't go on, running away to paradise, artists with jobs, how to make friends at work, and singing Monty Python in science class. All that and so much more. It's a great episode, and I'm not going to waste a single moment delaying you getting to it. So just lay back and enjoy my interview with Kelsey Ledbury here on Friendless. So I guess I, I guess where I'm really interested to start uh, hearing your story is is if we were to um, end it with you moving to Vic- Victoria, and that's something I'd love to discuss. Um, but if we were to sort of end the story of you getting to Victoria and pick it up, maybe somewhere around like where we knew each other from high school. Um, What's your journey been like in the last, you know, God, it's been, you know, 15 years. So I realize this is not a, a condensable answer necessarily, but um, what's your journey been like sort of weaving in and out of the theater community? It's definitely been an interesting journey um, and definitely iterations of myself for sure. I think that um, we we are young and idealistic and we throw ourselves into this um, version that we think we're going to be. And then as we live through that and work through that and figure out what works for us and what doesn't, then we need to sort of find room in our lives to realize that, you know, maybe something that doesn't take up 110% of my time is something that I, you know, want to spend my life doing. Um, Uh. Sometimes I do, you know, just want a paycheck and to be able to take a vacation guilt free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and there was also something super interesting about the life of theater when it came down to connections that you make were six month contracts at a time. I'm not sure if your situation might have been different working at like working at a lunchbox theater for a season or two. Um, whereas I was freelance. So every contract was different. Every six weeks was a different crew. Every six weeks was five new Facebook friends and whether or not (laughs) I stayed in contact with them, you know, kind of played out in the history of it. But I definitely reached a point where if I don't love it anymore, why am I killing myself to do it? And I wasn't finding, I wasn't finding the fulfillment that we were promised, (laughs) <laughs> that the sacrifice would, you know, that, you know, yes. you, you sort of think that the sacrifice will, um, will pay you back. And in some cases mm-hmm. it just doesn't. And sometimes you just need to pay rent and, yeah. you know, get healthcare. <laughs> and I honest. do worry, I do worry that, um, worry maybe is the wrong word. I, I wonder if the way that the industry was sold to us is what 
set us up to be unsatisfied with it because I think that um, we are sort of sold this idea that we'll 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 go through theater school and we'll come out and we'll um, we'll be validated and we'll be loved and we'll have accolades and we'll get cast in shows and that's what's going to make us feel satisfied and at peace with our existence and I and I worry that too many theater students and art students in general are um, more in need of therapy than they are in need of art school. Um, oh and, my and gosh. I, right. You know, and I, and I, something I've been thinking a lot about recently is like, like just that is this idea of like, do you want to be a theater artist or are you just feeding off the validation that you're receiving from it? And, and I think that that's um, really interesting. That's really interesting because I recently in recent years have been going to some therapy and have been uncovering all of this latent anxiety and depression that um, I was just too busy to deal with, you know, and that's so, so sad that it takes having to hit like a super dark place to have to access that like care for yourself. But I think it truly does like the interesting thing is my partner, my current partner, I've been with him for four and a half years. He went through mm. the Mount Royal theater program with me. That's okay. where we met. And he finished the program and quit the arts and went into aviation. And wow. one of our instructors said after class, we were at the lib at Mount Royal and we were sharing a plate of nachos and our instructor started to eat. You know how they make the sour cream out of a bowl, like the chip, the bowl is made out of chips. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. was, he was eating the bowl and our instructor said to the table, you never know in theater, you never know when your next meal's coming. So wow. you just, and that moment for my partner was his, his, you know, shoe dropping that, oh, if I can't make a living off this, what's the point? Yeah. And, and we were on the technical stream. So there's even sort of that, that removal of ego or that sort of, um, yeah. It takes away that uh, big leap that the performers have to take. And even with that type of security, he thought, no, I'm fucking out of here. Well, there's that <laughs> whole thing about uh, there's the whole thing about with tech theater where it's like yeah. your your job is best done when nobody notices you. And yes. so you really can't feed off of validation in that stream. Right? Which which to sort of folded back to therapy is is being a stage yeah. manager and having that like if you are noticed, you have fucked up big time, set my nerves yeah. to a place that. I can't let myself off the hook for certain little things because I spent so many years trying to be silent in the dark and perfect because it all Mm -hmm. rested on my shoulders. And it's funny, like talking about things now, I'm like, Ooh, theater really fucked me up more than it did good. You know, I didn't have the opportunity for artistic expression or catharsis or any of that due to the nature of the sort of technical role. So, and I, 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 I worry that, um, I worry that uh, it it ruins the capacity to just be creative because I think that it's so important for, you know, for anyone and everybody to have a creative style outlet and whatever that may be. And I, and I, I think it sucks that so many of us get, you know, get trapped in this cycle of, um, I need a living. So I have to either decide to live creatively or live, you know, quote unquote, pragmatically. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, and it sucks that we have to decide one stream or the other, and we can't find this balance because I do think, I do think it's really important to have creative outlets. I also think it's important to have the stability to eat every day. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and, and, and that's, that's the thing that really blows about our culture is that we are, 
we're taught and ingrained that it's one or the other. It, it can't be both, you know? And, yeah. and um, I, 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 I do think that uh, technology and things like social media have, have affected that for the better, but I do think that it's um, it's a new set of skills that aren't being taught. They certainly weren't being taught when I was in university. No. And and they're they're more about just intuitively being raised within these, you know, dynamic technological systems than they are about actually like, you know, you can't go to school to be a YouTuber kind of thing. Right. Right. And uh, nor nor should you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like if you want to be on YouTube, don't go to fucking university. What a waste of time that would be. Right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but um, so so when you um, when you decided to pick up stakes to move uh, from Calgary to Victoria, what what sort of took you out to the island? Because um, that place is I mean, that place is absolute fucking paradise. But I also you know, when I when I left the island, I definitely felt sort of like, um, oh, what 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 is it? I you know, I sort of felt like it was it was a place that I could I could never leave if I stayed because it's almost like um, it's like a little Garden of Eden kind a of a little place, a little you know? black mirror bubble. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. absolutely. No, um, I so when I sort of exited the arts world, I got some jobs in insurance and mm. and with most things when you must be good at everything. I just got as many designations and as many, you know, courses as I could, which got me a good foothold in insurance, like a decent living. Um, so when my partner wanted to, so my partner was military and he left the military, but still wanted to do something, um, that contributed. So he found this opportunity working on search and rescue aircraft out here at the wow. Comox Air Force Base. And so he got this opportunity. He spent, you know, a year or two training in Europe and that was difficult but we knew at the end of it it meant we got to move to paradise right. so I <laughs> I ended up finding a job in insurance out here and I think it kind of speaks back to that when we were talking about the arts it's like now I'm just making a living so I can live in paradise yeah. you know I, I don't I, I wouldn't say that I quote unquote care about um, commercial insurance I know a lot of people <laughs> have a lot of things to say about the insurance industry and I may or sure. may not agree but um but the fact is, is that it pays my bills and it keeps me healthy and it, you know, lets me go to the doctor and speak to my therapist and all those things. And so, there is something to be said for the stability, you know, something that we're not taught very often and something that you find out in sort of researching is a lot of the great artists, especially of the last century. But I mean, you go, you could go as far back as you want and you could basically find that the vast majority of what we consider to be great artists usually weren't professionally artists. Mm -hmm. Usually what they were was they had a job and then they had a creative outlet on the side that eventually took root and, and, and took them off. But, you know, I always think about someone like, um, you know, uh, Frank O'Hara, um, who, who his, his famous poetry collection is lunch poems. And mm -hmm. he literally wrote the, the reason they're called that is because he wrote them on his lunch break when he was a lawyer, <laughs> you know, yeah. or like, or like William Carlos Williams, who's like the, the sort of the, the pinnacle of, of, um, minimalist poetry. The reason he did that is because he would write poems on little slips of paper that he would find when he was a, a doctor, he was a surgeon, you know, and so he didn't have space to write. So he could only write these tiny little poems. And, 
you know, so it's like people, you know, something like poetry, which we we have in our head for some reason as like the long suffering, starving poet. But it's like <laughs> that's only if you you're only a starving poet if you decide to a romanticize toxicity yes yes like remove yourself from being an active member of society which which you can do like these are i'm not saying there's a good or a bad response but like you choose to do that part of it you know and 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 you can still get a job and write a poem right (laughs) yeah and i think what you what you hit was key there is the romanticize like romanticizing the toxicity of the industry you know the starving artist is the starving artist so i deserve to be successful or, or whatever with it. I can remember working with a theater company during the Calgary flood and the whole city was in a state of emergency. And this one company just sort of said, well, I don't care. We're still going to put the show on. And I just looked at them thinking like, who's coming to your show? This is bigger than you. Like the hue, the absolute hubris that like our art will prevail over like a natural disaster. It's like, no one gives a shit about your little play when their home is flooding. So this idea that, well, we we worked really hard on this and the show must go on and, and it is the epitome of our artistic bullshit, whatever it is, like whatever you're trying to say with it, it's it's not that bit, you know, it's just a play. It's just a poem. It's and it, that's not to belittle anyone's work, but it doesn't mean that you you know, I got shingles at 25. That didn't make the play I was working on any better or worse because I worked <laughs> I worked myself to the point of having shingles. Yeah. You know, that was my own not looking out for myself. So for you, how would you define friendship? Yeah, that's a tough one. I I was giving it a lot of thought and I think you you sort of touched on it just then that there's no real uh definition that we could all hold to be true. Um sure. I think for me it's definitely somebody a friend would be somebody that I could show an unfiltered facet of myself to. You know, you've got people at work that you're friendly with, but your friend is the one that you can bust into their office and go, oh, my God, Cheryl is such a bitch. Like <laughs> your friend, your friend is someone that you can actually let a filter down with and know that yeah. you know that your true whatever facet of your true self you're showing to them um, will be received. I don't know. Safely is the right word, but it'll just mm-hmm. be ex- accepted and received. Um, and, and often reflected back at you, you know, the, the things that you find, um, that cause a friendship in another is often commonality. So if we both hate Cheryl from accounting, then we could probably find something else to connect on and, and be (laughs) friends over. But I think it's different for between each relationship as well. You know, the way you behave in front of one person isn't the way you would behave in front of another group. And I think that that's okay. I think Mm -hmm. that, um, much like the definition of friendship, people aren't just one definition of themselves. So yes. I find that, um, and it's been interesting in moving to kind of touching back on that is how do you make friends if I can't spend any time with people? You know, yes. I've, I've, I've been lucky enough that I, my office is open. The office that I transferred to here, I'm actually up in Nanaimo um, okay. instead of Victoria, but the office I'm in is open every day. I get to get dressed and drive into an office and interact with about a dozen other people every day. And that's been wonderful for my mental health after spending, you know, four months working out of the back room of my apartment. Um, Oh my gosh. It's been so great just to shower every morning and pick an outfit. It really has, 
you know, done quite that's a bit. Honestly, honestly, that's probably one of the, and I know this is such like a vapid complaint, but honestly, that is such a hard element for me by working from home. I'm, mm-hmm. I've been every month I've steadily been losing my will to live because well, I'd like, I'm like, why wake up? <laughs> we know? all, we all thought that working in our jammies was just so great. And when I moved and I got to get up and get dressed every morning and yeah. take a modicum of pride in my appearance before leaving the house, oh. you know, it just, it felt good to feel good again. So that's been yeah. great. But that tangent to say that how do I make friends with these people that I'm interacting with? If I can't go ask them for a beer after work, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, so slowly but surely I've definitely found friends at this new company, but only at work. Connexus Credit Union is all about their members. Improving their financial well-being drives everything they do. And that's not something they say. That's something I say. <laughs> it's a promise that's delivered by over 900 employees across Saskatchewan. Their employees are members too. And they've been there. So they're committed to making your money work for you. The banking industry needs to change. And Conexus is changing it for everyone. Because Conexus cares. Visit Conexus.ca to learn more. So, okay, so this is actually, this is, this, especially with high school guests, this tends to be my favorite question. I'm Um, ready. (laughs) <laughs> and so I'm I'm fascinated to know what is your most vivid memory of our friendship? Okay. And so this also comes with one of those like I owe you an apology because oh. stupid teenagers. But I wonder if you remember this. And I'm sure you don't have any ill will toward me about it, but I definitely feel <laughs> like I owe you an apology. Okay. Wow. So get ready for this. Remember grade 10 homeroom science class? Mm-hmm. You and I, you and I were singing Monty Python penis song and <gasps> you got sent to the office by our very conservative science teacher. Do you remember this? <laughs> I don't. So I remember it because I remember thinking now as an adult, I should have said something because I started the song. And so I started singing, you know, isn't it, isn't it awfully good to have a penis? And then you just took it away and we finished the song. And our science teacher, who was very conservative, came in and just was absolutely scandalized and sent you directly to the office. And I should like now as an adult, I'm like, you should have said something. You were a part of it, too. But it's one of those like, I know, like you have no ill will about it. But it is one of those like I started singing a song that got you in trouble and you got sent to the (laughs) office. But do you remember it was like you and me and two other people in a little desk pod in that homeroom class? Yeah, I do remember that. And I do remember and and I remember being really excited because it was like um, because when I, you know, when I moved from junior high to high school, I moved out of French immersion. And so oh. when I showed up at Bonesse, I had no friends. And like there was nobody. And um, uh, except, well, there was there was one friend who uh, she actually went to Bonesse for one day and then transferred out. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then there was another one who um, I, I wasn't friends with him in junior high and we weren't friends in high school. So it was like, right. oh, I'm fucked, you know? Yeah. So when I showed up in high school, um, it was a case of literally feeling like the new kid who just moved into town because all everybody else had transferred 
from big classes and yes. had their friends and yada, yeah. right? So I remember that pod being really fun. And I remember being really grateful for like having that little, that little group, you know? Yes. Yeah. It certainly, it, I, uh, I don't remember a lot of grade 10, but I do remember that little no. pod, you know, that yeah. class was fun. That science teacher was great. I like from yeah. what I remember. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I and I think too, it was one of those first times on for my perspective of like making friends with people outside of those that came from your junior high because Bonas yeah. had what three feeder junior highs, and so yeah. if if you didn't come from one of those, and even if you did, it would you know I don't know half the people in the class because they came from somewhere else. So it was really exactly. cool to have um, to have like a little clump of us that were just like fast friends, as we say. Like mm. it didn't take long for us to kind of connect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that's so funny. I, I, you know, cause it's like, I remember getting sent to the office for the dumbest shit. Yeah. And so oh, I yeah. feel like, I feel like the, the only reason that one does it, and, and, and it's funny, I, I have like half a memory of that. Like I remember singing it in class. I don't remember getting in trouble though. And I think it's because like, I got in trouble for dumb shit yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, like, really? This well, is what you're really. And you I was, know? I was thinking about that teacher too. That teacher got upset with me for touching my hair because she thought that uh, it was like a hygiene thing that I should go to the bathroom if I wanted to adjust my hair. So she oh was just God. very, very uptight. I think she was very tightly right. wound that one, but I think she was, I think she was young. I think yes. that she was still learning the ropes of teaching. And so I, yeah. I think she was just trying to make sure she maintained authority. Right? A de- but, yeah. And a decorum, even though she was yeah. quite a bit younger, that's totally that could be it <laughs> um, but it's you know, interesting from, that it's not a yeah. theater memory for us or at least for me it was this well yeah well and I was gonna say on the flip side for me I just always think about I just <laughs> I always think about you and and I I can't for life me remember his name but there was a there was a really tall tech guy um and you guys were just always like the you were just always backstage right yeah. because we were you know you were you were the crew and so there's no like single example i can think of but i know getting into theater because i i actually got into it a little um i i only got into it in grade 11 i i was in like dance and musical theater oh grade 10, nice but i didn't do actual theater until like 11 12 and so um just coming into those you know whether it was the one act festivals or or the you know main stages or anything like that and it was just always youtube backstage it was great right you know that's a really fond memory to you know the theater department at bonus high school the years we were there was became such a such a little and that's i think the energy and the atmosphere that we created for ourselves there is what drove so many of us to go into the arts professionally because we thought it would be this this loving, um, supportive, like place to lift us up. And then yeah. whether or not it, it became that throughout our lives, you know, it, every situation's different, but we had such a, I felt like we had such a community and such an energy that like, yeah, we just yeah. lived backstage. I remember skipping grade 10 math for like eight months to go to the tech theater classes. I still passed yeah. math with an 80 And I would get home before my mom did so I could erase that voicemail that said that your student had been out of class that day. (laughs) And I so I got extra credit for being in theater. I passed math without having to attend the class itself. And we just, you know, there's so many of us that just kind of super connected and to this day still run into each other in our lives. And it's great. Such a great that's such a great. Uh, description of it too because it really was like a little pod you know mm-hmm. it really was this beautiful little family and and you're spot on it was absolutely 
the thing that ruined the rest of theater <laughs> for me because because I was perpetually chasing that feeling of family again, you know? And you know what's um, interesting too is you and I had a conversation in life about instructors that we've had in times in our lives that we really looked up to that yeah. as we grew up we sort of realized we grew out of those ideas and things like that but that doesn't sure. blemish the memories I have of of the way I felt at the time and and, no. and the support I felt from these teachers and things like that yep. so it really was yep. just this perfect shiny bubble high school really was the time of no cares and <laughs> you know everything oh everything the, the things that I thought were gonna be problems and oh the things that god. I thought were problems like my god James James <laughs> yeah the shit that we thought would matter later on in life oh my god fucking hell With 2021 being what it is, and with the mm -hmm. incredible, incredible, overwhelming terror that is our existence, um, you know, I can't help but feel like friendships in all its capacities and in all of its permutations is going to be the thing that keeps us not sane, but uh, alive uh, going forward. And so I wonder what for you is it going to take to be a good friend in 2021 and then however much longer we survive? <laughs> I, I, this is still something I'm wrestling with being the new, the new bird in town and not being sure. able to actually forge new friendships. It is something, uh, sometimes my partner and I would just sit down at the end of the day and be like, Oh my God, it's lonely here. Like at least yeah. we have each other because we can't, I have cousins that live 15 minutes up the road that we haven't seen in months yeah. simply because, and, and I mean the, the nature of the population we live in is a lot of retirees. It's very high risk population. So people yeah. are very responsive to recommendations, which I think is great. Let's, That's awesome. let's keep populace alive, you know? So I don't mind that, but I think it's unfortunately for me does mean a lot of social media and a lot of uh, the the one thing I do like about it. And this is such an asshole thing to say is that I can be a passive friend. I can, right. I can absorb the information about what's going on in people's lives. I can say congratulations at the press of an emoji without having to, you know, really extend my energy because it's all in the palm of my hand. Now, whether or not that's real, it's all I've got right now and yeah. and for the foreseeable future. So I have to keep making, you know, keep making the point to make these video calls with friends, keep making the point. Mm -hmm. Like when when you and I reached out again and I, I just jumped on it, it was like, these are the days I have off. I have to yeah. snap on it because it so easily can become too hard to... Yes you know, lift a finger and have to do another fucking Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's just the understanding that everything's on fire right now. So that no one has to apologize for not getting back to me. No one needs to apologize for um, being emotionally unavailable or for not being truthful or whatever it is like yeah it's all okay right now because it's all awful right now i think <laughs> that's such a fabulous way of putting it it's like it's all okay because it's all not okay <laughs> i love that um you know it's it's i don't know i don't have an answer to it right because i it's why i'm asking people because i'm like i i feel like i've been a bad friend for a long time to a lot of people and and i'm trying to figure out how to change that and so for me 
it's um for me it's 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 being available when you know when somebody needs you and and, ah good one yeah right you know it's just about being available and like being available but also being true to yourself right like if you can't be available it's better for you to be withdrawn than it is for you to give something because that just leads to to resentment and exhaustion and you know, absolutely so, absolutely so it, just you know uh it, it it's it's so much easier said than done but it's just about knowing yourself and knowing what you need and then being able to give that when and how you can yeah i I like that i'm the asshole that's like i get to be lazy with friendships because you just tell me everything and you're like i need to be available for those that (laughs) you know it's i think it's it's definitely both those things yeah Yeah, i think it's both those things and it's a it's a spectrum right it's this idea that like something that's really prevalent in in social media discourse that I find to be really toxic and reductive is this idea of us versus them, right? It, mm-hmm. It's, it's, if you are not 100% with me, you are 100% against me. And, and we have to be really careful how we, um, how we proceed with these really, really tenuous times. And, and I mean, this is not me arguing, like, let's forgive the fascists, like <laughs> fuck all those people. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah, This is yeah. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is um, like, just because somebody isn't tweeting about every topic doesn't mean they're complicit with it, right? You know, like like sometimes you don't need a hot take. Sometimes you can just be quiet and donate or whatever it might be. Yes. You know, sometimes, yes. you're the, you know, maybe you're the person who tweets. Maybe you're the person who donates. Maybe you're the person who volunteers. Maybe you're the person who just listens, yes. you know, like, like it, it takes all kinds and it takes a whole spectrum of existence and behavior to create a community and that's what i'm trying to do it's it's what i'm hoping people are trying to do is to is to have a genuine authentic healthy loving community you know and, yeah um, and it's not about everyone performing the exact same task the exact same way um it's about it's about being surrounded by the people who collectively lift each other up right and, and yeah so, yeah. And, and yeah, so I just think, it, you know, I always sum it up of just like, just be easy on yourself. Like, just be nicer to yourself. Right. Yeah. That's my therapist thing of like, it's okay because things yeah. aren't okay, but that's still yeah. okay. Like, things exactly. cannot be okay. And that's still okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're not a failure for being angry. You're not a failure for being sad. You're not a failure for feeling not zen, right? Like it's okay no, to feel for sure. all, all the emotions that we can feel. And just what what you ha- I shouldn't say what you have to do. What what will help you is to recognize them and move through them. To not get hung up on them, yes. right? Like yes. Like, um, yeah. You know. Thank yeah, you now we're just now away. we're just going now we're just going down the down the therapy handbook. It's exactly. Like, you want to just? I mean, it's good. Everybody <laughs> yeah. needs therapy. Like, oh, I agree. Therapy, it fucking rules. Hundred percent. We should have more access to mental health services. Right. We should be but. more vocal about it. Everyone should go and see a therapist. It should be part mm-hmm. of your like. It should be like an annual eye exam. You should yeah. get like a couple of visits a year with a mental health professional. Yeah. I think it would do so much for our society, but. <sighs> We'll get there, hopefully, if we just keep talking about it. Right. Exactly. But before we do that, we do, unfortunately, we are at the time. We have to do one last thing on social media before we wrap this up. Okay. So I'm pulling up your Facebook. Oh, those are some lovely little mushrooms. Ah, it's so beautiful on the island. Little cuties. (laughs) I love it. All right. Here we go. Kelsey Ledbury. Yes. We... 
are no longer Facebook friends. Nice. <laughs> it feels good, right? Like, it does. Like a, oh, yeah. You know? And that's it. Thank you once more to Kelsey for joining me on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to catch up. If you like the episode and want to support the show, please be sure to review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. It goes so far in helping me out. Or you could always share the links and let your friends know that this is a show worth checking out. Because God damn it, it is. <laughs> be sure to... Follow Friendless on all the social medias at FriendlessPod. And if you have any questions, comments, you want to have a fun story about Facebook you want to share with me, feel free to email me anytime, friendlesspod at gmail.com. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter uh, through the link in the show notes. Once a month, I am sending out reading lists, articles, and exclusive writing you won't find anywhere else. This month had a wicked good reception, and you won't want to miss the next one. All this, of course, is ramping up to even more content that is coming down the line with the revamped website and Patreon that is soon to launch. I'm almost ready to get it all rolling, and I really can't wait to share it with y'all, but it's, it's just taking a few more tweaks. There's tons more coming soon, and I am so, so excited to share it. But, as always, let's not get ahead of ourselves, because that is then, and this is now. So, for now... I want to wish you all a great week full of creativity and your fair share of joy. I want to say I love you, and I will catch you next time. Fun and safety, y'all.